From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is Battleground Ballot Box. I'm Stephen Fowler. Early voting is underway in Georgia for the midterm elections, and that means it's also debate season. This is the general election debate among candidates for governor. This is the general election debate among candidates for the U.S. Senate. Live from Plant Riverside District in Savannah, this is the Georgia U.S. Senate debate. In the last few days, we've seen everything from honorary police badge props and interrupting libertarians to backtracking on key issues and sharp barbs over Georgia's future. I'm so optimistic about the future of our state, the lowest unemployment rate in the history of the state, the most people working in economic opportunity in all parts of our state, no matter your zip code or neighborhood. And this is a governor who for the last four years has beat his chest, but delivered very little for most Georgians. The most dangerous thing facing Georgia is four more years of Brian Kemp. There was a lot to unpack in hours of face-offs, and there's more at stake than just a political title in this fast-growing state. This week, we look at key general election debates and what they tell us, or don't tell us, about Georgia's top candidates. Political debates have a long, rich tradition in our country, a tradition that has recently begun to crumble. In our hyper-polarized political environment, candidates from both sides of the aisle have started skipping out on debates, and Georgia is no exception. Several of Georgia's likely next members of Congress declined to show up to Atlanta Press Club debates this week, as did Republican Senate nominee Herschel Walker. But first, we start with the debate Walker did show up for in Savannah Friday night, which saw some fireworks but largely stuck to the script of what we expected both Walker and Senator Raphael Warnock to say. The debate kicked off sounding more like a sporting event than political gathering. Live from Plant Riverside District in Savannah, this is the Georgia U.S. Senate debate. Welcome to Debate Night in America. I'm your host, Leland Vittert from News Nation. In 2020, Georgia decided the balance of power in the United States Senate, and it might well again. Warnock is considered one of the most vulnerable incumbents on the ballot this November and has spent most of the campaign touting his ability to work with Republicans on issues impacting his constituents. I've worked across the aisle time and time to get good things done for the people of Georgia. I worked with a senator from Texas to build out I-14. I worked with a Republican senator from Alabama to help Georgia farmers get their products to market. I will work with anyone and stand up against anybody I need to stand up against to get good things done for Georgia. I work for the people of Georgia. He's also touted legislation like the Inflation Reduction Act and measures he wrote capping the cost of insulin and prescription drugs for seniors and calling out Walker for opposing the bill. There's no question that people are feeling pain at the grocery store, at the pump, at pharmacy counters. And while we are paying record prices, A lot of our corporate actors are seeing record profits in the oil and gas industry and the pharmaceutical industry, which is why I've stood up for ordinary, hardworking Georgia families time and time again. I passed the single largest tax cut, contrary to what my opponent is suggesting, for middle and working class families in American history. And we passed the Inflation Reduction Act, which had two of my provisions. One, caps the cost of prescription drugs for seniors so they don't have to choose between buying medicine and buying groceries, and one caps the cost of insulin. He said he would not have voted for the Inflation Reduction Act, and I think he should tell the people of Georgia why he thinks they should have expensive insulin and why the pharmaceutical companies should be able to charge us whatever they like. 
For his part, Herschel Walker has tried to center his campaign around tying Warnock to President Joe Biden and his unpopularity, arguing that Warnock is responsible for inflation and other economic woes. Because Senator Warnock, he went to Washington, but he forgot about Georgia. And I want to stand for the people of Georgia. He just mentioned he's standing for the people of Georgia. But can you tell me why he voted with Joe Biden 96% of the time if he was standing for Georgia? That tells you that he's for Joe Biden, I'm for Georgia. Now, there's not much substantive discussion that's happened for most of this hour-long debate. The questions in the debate format weren't that great, where moderators ignored follow-ups on things that needed more answers and largely stifled actual, well, debate between these two on issues that matter to Georgians. Walker was asked as many questions about a recent report he allegedly paid for an ex-girlfriend's abortion despite supporting a total abortion ban as he was about calls to rename the Atlanta Braves. One of the few notable things to actually come from the debate was Walker's backtracking on that abortion stance, claiming he now supports Georgia's current law that bans abortion around six weeks into pregnancy instead. I say I support uh, the heartbeat bill. And I say I support the Georgia heartbeat bill because that's the bill of the people from Governor Kemp. And I said that has exceptions in it. I said I'm a Christian, but I'm also representing the people of Georgia, and that's who I represent. So what the people of Georgia stand for, I'm going to stand with them. Recent polling suggests a majority of Georgians are not in favor of Georgia's law, which effectively bans most abortions before some even know they're pregnant. Warnock largely avoided political minefields by largely avoiding direct answers to some questions, like the moderators insisting he answer a question about supporting President Joe Biden if he runs again in 2024. Senator Warnock, a simple yes or no here. You, you'll, will, you will have a chance to explain, but I'd like a simple yes or no. Would you support President Biden running for a second term in 2024? I've not spent a minute thinking about what politicians should run for what in 2024. Is that a yes I, or a no? I, the answer is I have not, and, and, and maybe this is difficult. Maybe this is difficult for people to understand because that's how politicians think. I, I think that part of the problem with our politics right now is that it's become too much about the politicians. You're asking me who's gonna run in 24? The people of Georgia get to decide who's gonna be their senator in three days, Monday. And I hope they'll show up and vote and I'd be honored to represent them in the Senate. You haven't thought about it. If you can think about it now, in 2024, the president will turn 82 years old. Are you concerned about his physical and the, his mental the, fitness at that time? The, you have 30 seconds. The people of Georgia hired me to represent them, regardless of who's in the White House. The only truly memorable moment in the debate came after Walker attacked Warnock and claimed he did not support law enforcement. We've already seen that my opponent has a problem with the truth. I, I, and, and just because he said something doesn't mean it's true. I have supported our police officers. I've called them and I've prayed with their families, like those officers lost in Cobb County, when they were killed, doing what police officers routinely do. You can support police officers as I've done. One thing I have not done, I've never pretended to be a police officer and, and, and I've, never, I've never threatened a shootout with the police. That led to this exchange where Walker pulled out an honorary sheriff's badge. 
And you know what's so funny? I am work with many police officers, <laughs> and at the same time, Mr. Walker, Mr. Walker, no, 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 Mr. Walker, no, no. When Mr. Walker, excuse me, Mr. Walker, please, out of respect, I need to let you know, Mr. Yes. Walker, you are very well yes. aware of the rules tonight. Yes. And you have a prop. Yes. That is not allowed, sir. Yes. I ask you to put that prop away. Well, it's not a prop. It, it this is, is real. Memes ensued, and whatever other takeaways both candidates hoped for were probably lost. Predictably, both sides declared victory, and the voters of Georgia didn't really learn anything new or different about these top two candidates. We'll be right back after this short break, and when we return, we'll hear more about the other Senate debate, plus a rematch four years in the making. This is Battleground Ballot Box. I'm Stephen Fowler, and we're talking about what debates have and have not been telling Georgia voters. Before the break, we learned very little new information about Georgia's top two Senate candidates. And on Sunday, the second Senate debate wasn't much different. Herschel Walker declined to show up and was represented by an empty lectern. But Warnock faced libertarian Chase Oliver, and both of them repeatedly called out the Republican for skipping. I think it's important to point out that my opponent, Herschel Walker, is not here. Uh, and I think that half of being a, Senate, a senator is showing up. That's half of life. And I have shown up for the people of Georgia time and time again, uh, especially on this issue of voting rights. So uh, I will ask uh, Mr. Walker this question. You appeared on the debate stage with Senator Warnock and Savannah two nights ago. Uh, I wasn't invited to that debate, though I really did want to participate. So my question is simple. Why do you agree to the only debate that doesn't invite all the candidates? Oliver has polled in the low single digits, but it could be enough to force a runoff as some Republicans have indicated they would support him as a protest vote against Walker, but not for Warnock. Well, I'm not here to fight a professional wrestling match. I'm here to go to work in Washington, D.C. for the people of Georgia. I don't have any interest in partisan bickering. I owe no allegiance to either party. I only owe allegiance to you, the voter. Thank you very much. His platform includes things like abolishing qualified immunity for some law enforcement and supporting LGBTQ rights, and says the way to tackle climate change is to get the government out of it. Well, you know, I think it, it sounds great to say that we could just magically pass a bill and stop using less carbon and lower the carbon output, but, but that's just not the way it's going to work. And when you rely on government to, uh, to solve all the problems, that's when you're going to get stifled innovation. If government were designing phone chargers, we'd be using USB chargers from 10 years ago. We would never, ever try to innovate. And so the truth is, is we need to actually get out of the way and let the marketplace innovate. This debate did not reveal new policies or platforms for Warnock, but he did use the absence of Walker to launch unanswerable attacks, painting him as not equipped nor ready to be a U.S. senator. Well, if Mr. Walker were here, I'd ask him about this disturbing history of violence uh, that we've seen from him. And uh, we're not just talking about one woman, but multiple women. Uh, he threatened to kill his ex-wife, put a gun to her head, He's threatened other women. And when asked about that, he really hasn't given account for this kind of violence. And I want to know from him why he thinks uh, he's ready to represent the people of Georgia and if he's ready uh, to face up to this history of violence as he talks about representing us in the Senate. 
It's unlikely these debates will change voters' minds, and many did not even watch these face-offs, but they do serve as a temperature check for where these campaigns are. The other most consequential debate this week was a rematch four years in the making between incumbent Governor Brian Kemp and Democrat Stacey Abrams, who offered two starkly different visions for Georgia's future. I'm so optimistic about the future of our state, the lowest unemployment rate in the history of the state, the most people working, and economic opportunity in all parts of our state, no matter your zip code or neighborhood. Kemp bested Abrams by about 55,000 votes in 2018, and ever since, the former Democratic State House leader has been arguing that Kemp's leadership and record is out of touch with most Georgians and has left people behind. And this is a governor who, for the last four years, has beat his chest but delivered very little for most Georgians. He has weakened gun laws and flooded our streets. He has weakened our privacy rights and, our, and women's rights. He has denied women the access to reproductive care. The most dangerous thing facing Georgia is four more years of Brian Kemp. The debate touched on subjects like education and crime and Georgia's economic future. One newsworthy moment came when Kemp clarified he would not pursue further restrictions on birth control or abortion, despite comments he made about further reproductive restrictions during a secret recording at a campaign event. I would not. I mean, look, we were at many campaign events, people come up, secret recordings, couldn't completely understand the conversation that's going on, but no, that's not my desire to do that. Georgians should know that my desire is to continue to help them fight through 40-year high inflation and high gas prices and other things that our Georgia families are facing right now, quite honestly, because of bad policies in Washington, D.C. from President Biden and the Democrats that have complete control. The biggest back and forth of substance came on the topic of education, a top priority for both Kemp and Abrams. The governor has successfully implemented a $5,000 teacher pay raise and made other changes to help with teacher recruitment. You can talk to school superintendents around the state. We have worked with them uh, really over the last year and a half, two years on learning loss. We've been working with our superintendents and other education groups. We've passed two different pieces of legislation dealing with the teacher pipeline, which is getting more teachers into the system. Our plan has, uh, is working with higher education, including our HBCUs and others, to make sure we're getting more of the right people and, and more of them in the classroom to help mentor our children. This is really just the next step in the process. We are funding K through 12 education in this state more than we ever have per pupil ever. And that's coming off a recession during the middle of a global pandemic. But Abrams says the state's record budget surplus should be investing even more. Georgia is sitting on a $6.6 billion surplus. That's money that we have after we've paid every bill, after we've put 15% aside for say, a rainy day fund. That is money that after we've accounted for increases in population. And I want to invest it in our children and in our families, beginning with making certain that we have pre-K slots. We have four-year-olds on a waiting list. I've never met a four-year-old who waits to turn five. But we can solve that problem with the money we have right now. We can also give an $11,000 pay raise to our teachers instead of a $5,000 pay raise on layaway. We can make certain that we are increasing access to the pipeline because teachers aren't in the pipeline because they can't make enough money to take care of themselves and their families. And that is why under this governor, we have a 67% retention rate. Any other CEO who lost more than 30% of their workforce would be fired. The only other thing that dominated the debate as much as education was interjections and disruptions from libertarian Shane Hazel, who used the debate to put his beliefs center stage. 
Thank you very much. If I may respond, because 30 it, it, seconds. It, it, this is going to go back and forth between Ms. the Democrats for and the Republicans. If they keep attacking Abrams, each other, I'm going to say this is a home cooler. Ms. Abrams, Property 30 seconds. For Mr. The, Hazel, I'm, got to move we're on. We're not going to be excluded from this. I'm we're not gonna, excluding you, but I'm. The, he did the, refer to her, so we are going to have her speak first. You're going to take money well, and property from my, people that don't even attend your schools because Mr. they Sir, don't Mr. agree Hazel, with them. We want to move on. Hazel's platform included arguing neither major party understands economics and that government should be less involved in virtually most aspects of life. In fact, during several of the Atlanta Press Club debates, libertarian candidates disrupted the answers from both major parties or derailed conversations completely, like when Secretary of State candidate Ted Metz repeatedly spoke falsehoods about the 2020 election. Still, Georgia's elections are so closely divided right now that every person on the debate stage and those who skip them altogether are an important voice for voters to hear from. Early voting is underway, and so far, turnout has been breaking records for the midterms, indicating a large number of people in Georgia do care about who holds office come January. Battleground Ballot Box from Georgia Public Broadcasting is produced by me, Stephen Fowler. Our editor is Josephine Bennett. Our engineers, Jake Cook and Jesse Neiswanger, wrote our theme music. You can subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.